Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. Welcome to another weekly episode of 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm very excited to have my dear friend, Carissa Potts, owner and founder of Freedom Law, with offices in East Point, Port Huron, and Wyandotte. Today, we're going to be talking about bankruptcy and finding a little bit about the process uh, as well as your options when it comes to bankruptcy and maybe some questions that you've been afraid to ask. Um, Hopefully, we'll answer them here for you this week. So before we get started, though, Carissa, I just want to kind of talk about how it is that we met. I think it's an interesting story. We met first in the Gross Point Moms Club when our kids were little. And we found out that we actually had both been interested in the same house, possibly the first house that I purchased. And thought that was interesting. So that was like one of the first times that I met you. And um, I remember you saying that you, we were sort of, I don't know if we were competing offers or just kind of both interested, something along those lines. It all worked out for the best because you found your dream home. I have um, competing offers, if I remember correctly. And I think you you got the house. So, but you know, things all work out for the best. So, right. um, but yeah, I think that was our first connection and gosh, many years ago now. Yeah. But through the years, that was many, many moons ago. Um, mm-hmm. I have, you have inspired me. I have watched you start this practice and just be a total trailblazer and leader. Um, And like I said, you were a true inspiration and a friend and I've come to you. You've been super helpful through my process of getting back to work after being a stay-at-home mom. So I did want to just take that time to thank you and just say that the the world is a better place having you (laughs) as an example. And most recently what you're doing, delivering food for nurses at Beaumont that are on the front lines. Um, I just want to thank you for that because, you know, I... I gave a small donation, but it's really just the organization and the thought and all that time that goes into it. And it means so much. So, well, uh, thank you. You're making me blush a little bit. So I'm glad nobody can see me. <laughs> um, so tell me first, the, the number one question I get in my practice when people question about bankruptcy is what is the difference between chapter seven and chapter 13 bankruptcy? Yeah, so there, there's two uh, you know, chapters of bankruptcy that's typically available to uh, regular consumers. Um, and there's a th- chapter 11, an individual chapter 11 is also um, really a viable option for some people. So I'll talk about that last, although there's very few people that that makes sense for, but sometimes it does. Um, so chapter seven is what people typically think about when they think about bankruptcy. And that is, uh, think about it, it's like a going out of business sale. And so 
you, uh, you, it's a liquidation of assets uh, to pay off debts. And, you know, you, you walk away with uh, essentially having unloaded your unsecured debt. And by unsecured debt, that is uh, credit cards, medical bills, um, unsecured loans. Um, and so there's certain things that we look at to determine whether Chapter 7 is a good option. And the first thing uh, we look at is income because not everybody will qualify for a Chapter 7 based on their income, their household size, uh, whatever they make, their, uh, their income has to be at or below the median for a household of their size in their area. So, um, you know, in, in Michigan for, you know, let's say um, a household of two, that number is around about 55,000 right now. Um, and so if they earn uh, less than that, and we do sort of a six month look back on their income, and, and if they earn less than that, then, then okay, they've met the first qualification that they probably qualify for a chapter seven based on income. And the idea behind that is, is you know, if you have income that's above median, the presumption is that you can probably pay something back to your creditors. Um, but if you earn below that amount, then there's a really good possibility you really cannot afford. There's a presumption, I should say, that, there, that you can't afford to pay anything back to your creditors. The second thing we look at is, uh, you know, assets. Because as I said, in a chapter seven, the whole idea is that um, you have, uh, you don't have assets really to pay anything back to your creditors. Now, individuals are allowed to keep a certain amount of their assets free and clear from creditors, and that's going to vary by the state you live in. And, and here we live in Michigan, and so you're allowed to have about $20,000 of equity in your house approximately, and you know, you're allowed to have some money in your bank account. Um, you know, again, depending on some other things, but maybe five or $10,000 in your bank account is fine. Um, you're allowed to have unlimited amounts in your retirement accounts like 401k, IRAs. Those are completely out of the reach of creditors. And so, and is that have, the case for both 7 and 13? That is always the case, yes. Yeah. 7, okay. 13, 11, any sort of form of bankruptcy, which is, you know, why uh, those retirement, those tax-deferred retirement accounts are so extremely important to never touch them because, mm -hmm. um, because uh, they're completely protected from creditors. You could have $3 million in your, in your 401k. And that's, that's fine. Nobody can touch it. I think that's really important too, with, with the current situation that's going on yes. because the cares act has just expanded and allowed yes. people to take up to a hundred thousand from their IRA mm -hmm. and um, without the penalty for being under 59 and a half. And so mm -hmm. I do hear people kind of thinking about that as an option. If they're, it's if they're a terrible tough. option. Um, right. And you know, because it does have to be paid back within a, a period of time. And when I read that part of the CARES Act, I did a webinar last week where we were talking about aspects of it, and I didn't even bring it up because I cannot even imagine a scenario where I would advise somebody to do that. So right. no, we're and, on the same page. <laughs> okay, yeah, and I didn't mean to get you off track there. I did just want to interject before people, um, you know, to kind of point that out, because I think yeah. a lot of people don't know that retirement accounts are safe. Um, They're sacred. Yeah, so Take that's a good point. So if you're, if you're currently experiencing... Um, issues right now, especially related to the coronavirus, that is not really an option that you want to look at first. And especially if you think it's not going to be enough to get you through, and you may be potentially looking at bankruptcy down the road, 
to take those retirement assets first would be a huge no-no. So terrible idea. Right. Um, a really terrible idea. And, um, so, you know, so, you know, we're looking at the assets and whether there's assets that, uh, would be more than what somebody could protect. Uh, we, you know, we have these exemptions available and I always explain it to people in this way, which is, you know, you're, you're allowed to have a Ford Focus in the garage and you, cause you have to get to work and that's fine. Nobody's going to argue that you can't have a Ford Focus, but if you have a Ferrari that your boyfriend bought you and it's sitting in the garage and you own it, well, the thing is you can't not pay anything back to your creditors and keep a Ferrari. That's not fair. Right. So it sort of makes sense. Yeah. So I, you know, so there's certain, you know, you're allowed to have a certain amount of property that's owned free and clear of creditor interest, but, if you know there's something over and above that, then the court says no. You need to pay something back to your creditors. The exception to that is those retirement accounts. So that's why they're so sacred. Um, and so, so if uh, somebody has assets that you know are protected, then again they're a good candidate for a Chapter Seven. And then finally, the third thing we look at is well, what kind of debts does this person have? Because if um, you know if somebody has say a lot of uh, debt they owe to the IRS or the state of Michigan for taxes, or if they're behind on their mortgage, uh, chapter seven is really not going to help you with any of those things. Um, chapter seven is really great if you have a ton of credit card or medical debt or personal loans, and you've had a loss of income and you just need a fresh start, right? But if you have sort of some other issues, then, you know, chapter seven really doesn't make a lot of sense for you. And then, uh, so then, you know, if uh, you have a ton of medical debt and not a lot of income and no assets, then chapter seven's great. For a lot of people, however, it's not an option for, because again, their income exceeds uh, a certain amount. Um, they have assets that are over and above what I could protect in a, a seven, um, or they just have the kind of debts that I can't take care of, such as they're behind on their mortgage or they owe the IRS a lot of money. Um, so then we're looking at a chapter 13. And what a chapter 13 is, it is a a three to five year plan uh, that you propose. And um, in this plan is gonna look different for every single person, but it's a reorganization of debt that's court ordered. And so it's, it can take care of arrearages on mortgages, it can take care of uh, IRS debt or even uh, child support obligations. You're making payments over three to five years. And uh, the unsecured debt uh, is, they sort of may get a few cents on the dollar. They may get more than that. It sort of depends on your situation. But what's great about it is that it will be a payment that is most likely affordable. Um, and the other nice thing is because Congress wants to encourage people to pay back their debts. So they, they want to encourage people to pay something back on their debts. So what's great about a 13 is that you don't have to worry about losing your assets ever. Uh, you get to keep your assets. So I love chapter 13. It is a wonderful tool for so many different things. It's very flexible um, and it allows us to do a lot of really impressive things. Um, and it, it just makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Um, now, can I ask questions? So you're saying you get to keep your assets. Um, as we said, in both cases, you get to keep your retirement assets, but do you mean like a house, a car? Does it depend on the individual? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, so again, the retirement assets are off the table in either case, but this is a case where, and it's usually a home, right? So you have a home that has maybe $100,000 of equity. I can't protect all that in a seven. So um, in a chapter 13, uh, 
you can keep your home. No one's going to come and put a for sale sign and sell it and give the money to your creditors. Um, and uh, in exchange, you have to pay back, you know, a certain amount to your creditors. And we do what's called a liquidation analysis on your home. And basically your creditors are going to be entitled to what they would be entitled to get under a liquidation, a chapter seven liquidation. Um, and you know, that's where a good lawyer really comes into handy because you know, that number is more of an art than a science. So, um, so, you know, that's, that's the big benefit for a lot of people uh, to do a chapter 13 is because no one is going to come and uh, take away their assets that have equity, unlike a seven where, you know, there could be a for sale sign in your, uh, in your yard that uh, the chapter seven trustee puts there because you know, they think they can sell your house for, for, for more than what I can protect it for. So uh, that's always the big risk. Uh, okay. So you don't have to worry about your assets whatsoever. Uh, they're completely protected in chapter 13. And now as, as compared uh, one to the other, is one better for your long-term credit? Is it looked at, if you do 13 over a seven, is it looked at any better in the future or, or stay on your record any longer? So um, it's, you know, obviously there's always a, a, a weighing of the risks and benefits uh, to both. Uh, chapter 13 is not gonna stay in your credit as long uh, I believe it's seven years where it will actually appear in your credits, whereas a chapter seven will appear for 10 years. However, um, in both cases, uh, after filing, um, your credit will start rebuilding very soon after that. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a chapter seven scenario, people, again, people worry a lot about their credit, but people, you have to sort of balance that with your, your credit may also be really be dragging down because you have a balance sheet that has a lot of debt. And so uh, getting that, that slate wiped clean, uh, people can often rebuild their credit within uh, about 18 months to two years. They can very easily have credit that's back up in the mid to high 700s. I see it all the time. And so um, you, know, you have to balance those things. In a chapter 13, it's not uncommon for people to be two to three years into their plan and have, again, credit in the mid to high 700. So it's on your credit, but it's not like affecting it um, really so much after, you know, I would say probably two years after filing in either case. But a 13 is going to have less of an immediate detrimental effect. That's so interesting. And I do, I don't often, um, come across people being that most people come to me with assets to manage. So those aren't usually candidates, but oftentimes as a financial advisor, I get people who want just, uh, you know, help with their behavior, their financial behavior. And in those cases, there are um, big spenders, credit card users, people that just got in over their head. And it, it sometimes it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It's sometimes things happen in life and you take an income cut, um, illness happens. There's certain things that happen to very good, responsible people that just, they find themselves in a position. And it's in interesting you should say that because I would say that's the number one objection for those people that I have met with and sort of, you know, suggested maybe they give you a call. Um, it is about the credit. And they say, you know, we're, we have all this debt, but I pay it on time. And I'm really like, I want to keep my credit good. And and just looking at the numbers, I'm like, there's no way you're going to get out of this unless you double your income. You know, you're already not spending that much. You've this is past debt and, and the rates that you're paying, you know, it just, I feel for them because I can see as a professional, I can look ahead and see like, you know, this is, this is not doable with the current money coming in um, and what you No, have. it's not sustainable. The numbers aren't there. And one thing that I, uh, I really try to impress upon people that come in my door is that you, you don't, 
there's a sense of, I think, of a moral obligation to pay your debts, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think that's been drilled into our heads by some people that are somewhat gurus in the financial world. I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, the big names we all know. And uh, they, they drill into your heads that there's some sort of this moral obligation to pay debts. And I think these people must be paid by the banks because you don't have a moral obligation to pay your debts. You have a legal obligation to pay your debts. You, you signed a contract, okay? You have a moral obligation, on the other hand, to take care of your family, to, to save for retirement so that you're not a burden on your children, to take care of yourself. I mean, you don't have a moral obligation to J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. I'm sorry, you have a legal obligation. And there's, you know, the contract states that you, if you default on that obligation, there's certain remedies, legal remedies available. So bankruptcy is a, should be a business financial decision. Um, and I think that the, the, the moral lens that people view it through is, uh, can be, it's very misleading and I think it can be self-defeating. That's, uh, that's great. I'm so glad you shared that because I think that is important. And I do think that's probably the number one roadblock. Um, one, well, probably tied with lack of knowledge of how the process works and what it actually involves, as well as, um, you know, moral issues of feeling like they need to pay their debt back. So absolutely. Um, now you did mention chapter 11 as well. Can you touch on that? Yeah, so chapter 11 is, uh, so there's one limit, one major limitation to chapter 13, and that is debt limits, okay? And so uh, the debt limit uh, for filing a chapter 13 um, is around 400, I should have had this number at my finger, it's around $430,000 of unsecured debt. And so, um, and that unfortunately can include, um, student loan debt, which some people right now have enormous sums of student loan debt that when they add it to maybe their other, other unsecured debt, they exceed debt limits. Um, and there's also a debt limit on the amount of secured debt you can have, but that's typically less of an issue for most people. But uh, so if you, it's usually for debt, um, the, there's a debt limitation issue, then an individual chapter 11 um, can be a good option for people. Uh, there's some other limited circumstances where an individual 11 um, is a good option. When we talk about individual 11s, these are typically people with very high net worths. Um, so the vast majority of people, uh, probably a 13 will be a better option. But if they're high net worth and there's certain other varying circumstances, then you know individual 11 is on the table for them. As we kind of tie it together here, I want to just address if people in this situation, I mean, we just got the unemployment um, numbers today for the state of Michigan, uh, unprecedented growth in unemployment, people are getting laid off, furloughed, small business owners may be applying for loans, but they're not sure if they're gonna open up their doors because we don't even know when they can. So if somebody wants to talk to you now. We are 100% um, running business as usual. We're holding okay. hearings by telephone. Um, and yes, the federal courts are, completely operational. So you would recommend getting the process started or at least reaching out and finding out if it makes sense for you? So I that. have been getting a lot, I've been doing a lot of consultations um, recently for people who just have questions. Um, and so I do a free 30 minute consultation um, by phone, obviously. Um, and 
for people that they just, people are scared right now. They do have a lot of questions. They want to know um, what their options are. And I'll, I'll be honest with you right now that the future is uncertain for a lot of reasons and more uncertain I feel than it ever has been in the past. So I'm not going to guarantee I necessarily have all the answers because I don't know what's going to happen, but we can certainly discuss some, a couple different scenarios and how they could play out. Um, and you get a free 30 minutes and, um, you know, it's, that's, that's something that you're able to set up with my assistant or even I have online setting up, uh, you can set up a consultation online right now. Um, and so what is, can you give just for uh, anyone listening, um, your website address? Mm -hmm. It's www.freedomlawpc.com. And, and I'll also put the link uh, to that in the podcast notes yep. for you. And then Absolutely. a good phone number to reach you at is 313-887-0807. Perfect. Well, this was so informative. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Again, I will put in the notes a link to your website um, and anything else that you think would be important to someone who would want to tune into this. And um, yeah, and you know, I would just want to encourage people at this point, again, there's a lot of uncertainty. Now is the time you really want to get the advice of professionals, um, you know, like me or Melissa or gosh, you know, if you want to call another attorney, that's fine too. I don't care. Just get, before you make big decisions, talk to a professional first. I think that's really important uh, now, maybe more than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. We have lots of resources to help you with. And just like Carissa said, her consultations are free. Consultations with me via Zoom or over the phone are also free and working virtually. So we really hope that you reach out if you're considering any of your options right now or struggling and thinking about how you're going to make it through these unprecedented times. Absolutely. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. You can access our first eight episodes now, and we'll be releasing new episodes each Monday. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.